0: From Analog. 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 Hi Jim, you've a great signal up here. You're five
1: times plus. Digital. We are everywhere you want to be. This is
2: the CQ Blind Hams Podcast. Good evening everybody and welcome to the CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom. Uh, This is where we get together uh, to talk with each other about All kinds of ham radio related things, of course, from a blindness perspective. So uh, if you want to learn more about blindhams.com, you can go to www.blindhams.com and you can find all kinds of uh, neat little learning resources and things like that. And of course, the convenient link to this meeting that uh, takes you right into Zoom when we have it on the second Thursday of every month. Uh, In case uh, people are new here, just let you know this meeting is being recorded because as soon as it's recorded, it becomes a CQ blindhams podcast, which can be heard in various places, including, you know, any of the podcast apps that exist out there. Uh, you can ask your uh, Amazon device to play that. Uh, you can go to YouTube. So there's myriad places you can find us and uh, hear this as well as many other things that the folks at CQ Blindhams put up there, which is quite informative. So, um, if you, uh, had a recording thing pop up telling you that the meeting is being recorded, you have to hit the got it button. Otherwise, you will not be able to access your meeting controls. And I think we've already covered this, but anybody who is not hosting or presenting, uh should keep themselves muted until the time that we open the floor for comments, questions, etc. And, of course, we ask that you wait to be acknowledged before speaking so that we don't end up with a situation like we're talking over each other, like sometimes happens on the Blind Hams Bridge. So without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, kick it off here and introduce the, the crew here. Let's see what's happening with Joel, W0CAS.
0: Hey Julian and welcome everybody to CQ Bon Ham's uh, Tech Zoom. My name is Daniel. I'm Joel W0CAS. And I'm in Simpsonville, South Carolina. And uh we're very excited to have our speaker tonight because uh this uh software that he has developed is very, very needed in the blind community due to the to the uh lack of accessible radios being made uh today. So bye, Julian.
2: All right, yeah, I'm looking forward to this presentation as well. Anything that makes more parts of this hobby uh, more accessible to us is a wonderful thing. So, Robert, NC5R, I think you're here with us. Uh, What's been going on with you?
3: Good evening, uh, Julian and everybody. Uh, This is Robert, NC5R. r hope I'm getting through. I'm on lousy Wi-Fi at the moment, and maybe I'm making it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the CQ Blind Hams February Tech Zoom. Glad you're here and looking forward to the presentation also. Uh, back to you, Julian.
2: Uh, thanks, Robert. Yeah, you were in there pretty much uh, a few little fades and things like that, but we got what you were saying, so very cool. Steve, WB2KTV. Yeah, there we go, if I could say it right. Uh, what's shaking in New York?
0: Oh, I was just saying that uh, I'm not an HF-er, but I used to be. And if I ever have one again, I'm looking forward to uh, trying some of these new programs out, in particular the one that Tom will be telling us about, because these uh, ICOM and Yaesu radios are staggeringly popular. They're very prolific. And, of course, the L-Craft is too, but that's above my price point.
2: All right, uh, then we go to me. Julian, my call sign n one ca November one, Charlie Alpha, I live in Southern California, where it was a beautiful 81 degrees here today. Oh, oh uh, shut so, up. Loving it. <laughs> but hey, we're gonna we're 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 gonna get a little colder this weekend. We're only gonna be in the lower 60s. So there you go. <laughs> uh, it's been a it's been an unusually colder than normal and rainier than normal winter this year, but it was needed. So I guess we'll just put up with it. But I'm looking forward to when we start having more 80s and less 60s. And today, uh, we are going to also introduce Chris, VE3RWJ. He is actually going to introduce our guest speaker for today. So go ahead, Chris.
1: All right. Uh, I'm Chris, VE3RWJ. I'm in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I first started talking to Tom a few months ago. Uh, My local club was talking about putting a remote station on the air, and they were going to use an ICOM IC7300. And I can't currently put up antennas for HF, so I thought, okay, maybe I'll be able to use this. Uh, I downloaded Tom's program, which was uh, Win for ICOM, the Win for ICOM suite, and some of it talked. Not quite enough that I could use the radio, but it looked promising. So I thought, okay, uh, I'll email Tom and uh, mention screen readers and blindness and all this, and uh, we'll see what happens. So uh, welcome, Tom, Victor Alpha 2, Fox Sierra, Quebec. And uh, let's start with how or when or how did you become a ham? And uh, also, have you have you always been a software developer?
4: Hi, everybody. Uh, nice to be here. um I've only been a ham since uh, 2011. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I was always into electronics, and I remember my father buying me uh, an electronics kit, and I built a shortwave radio, hooked it up to the amplifier in our television, and I was listening to places all over the world. I was around nine years old at the time, I guess. Um, so that sort of started an interest in that, and I. I did a lot of DXing with homemade radios for a few years. Got my first um, oh, Night Kit uh, 100 uh, radio. Uh, wasn't, uh, it was already built though. Uh, but at that time, I always wanted to build a Heath Kit, but could never afford uh, to buy such a thing uh, when I was young. So along comes 2011, and I'm just going on eBay one day, and I see a um, HeathKit HW101 transceiver completely unbuilt with a matching power supply. And I said, This is my chance. So basically, I bought the radio for around 800 bucks, which is really cheap for an unbuilt HeathKit. Uh, soldered in the 20 vacuum tubes and all the parts and studied for my ham exam and went on the air around 2012. So I've been a ham for around 11 years. Um, before that and software development, uh, long, long time ago when Windows, when Windows wasn't really even out yet, I was writing some bulletin board software with uh, modems uh, just, just for fun uh, with OS2 at the time. And um, I ended up learning enough about serial port programming that uh, I used that uh, while in university uh, to interface to instrumentation because uh, I was a chemist and um, we had a lot of instrumentation. So uh, it was a good, uh, good uh, skill to know to be able to control the instruments. So that was in around <coughs> 1980. Um, At that time, I got recruited to go to work for a pharmaceutical research company. Uh, It was pure research, so we were researching uh, sexually transmitted diseases, actually. And they brought me in to manage IT. Uh, They had one computer. Anyways, as time went by, I automated a lot of their instrumentation and then got much more in a management role and um, ended up. Being with the company for 25 years, uh, then they closed down uh, about eight or nine years ago. And I decided to retire at 55, uh, but I, I I can never stand, sit still. I always have to keep doing something. So uh, basically, I took a look. Um, uh, I had my Heath kit. I ended up buying uh, an Ellicraft K3 because the Heath kit. Well, it was fun and everything. It just didn't have the capabilities. And then all of a sudden I decided uh, once I left my job to start writing a bit of software to see if I can communicate with that radio. And so basically three months later, I learned how to program in Windows, uh, set up a website, set up the e-commerce, had my first version of Win for K3 Suite out back uh, back then, around know, 2012, I guess, or 2013. And ever since then, just kept growing and growing. And then I uh, decided to go to Yesu and then ICOM radios. And yeah, so now I have the three products supporting Elacraft, Yesu, and ICOM radios. Now the software is very, um, it goes in much deeper than most other software in terms of uh, controlling it. For example, the Yesu radios um, typically can have hundreds of... Uh, uh, menu items and all of that is available in the software okay, there's no other software that can do that and i try to add that in in all the different models um for the aso the yellow has all of them the icon is more limited but it's what i think most people need and i've never been asked for you know other items in there so that's basically my background
1: great um so you've You've taken, uh, I guess, what's possible with CAT control and, uh, I guess, really exploited it to its, its fullest potential. Uh, what does CAT stand for, and is there much difference between your programs? Is it a matter of just finding out all the parameters and, and like, mapping them? or uh, what's, the, what's the process like if you decide to support a radio? Is there, is there a lot you have to do?
4: It really depends on the radio. Um, you know, I try to get the most out of every radio that I work on. And uh, for Elecraft and ICOM, it's relatively straightforward. I could add, um, basically I have a table of commands and I can add the commands into uh, that table for the different radio, uh, ICOM radios, for example. Um, same thing with Elecraft. Uh, Yesu is a lot more complex, uh, especially the menus. Um, for the, uh, FTDX 1200, the 991, the, uh, 3000 and the 5000 series, uh, basically all of the menu parameters have to be programmed individually. And there's almost 200 of them. So it really takes a long time. And Yesu has a nasty habit of when they release a new firmware version, they can just insert anywhere into their new new menu commands and it messes up everything. So it's very labor intensive. The newer radios, the uh, FTDX-10101 and the new 710 have a much better menu structure. So it's a lot easier to deal with. So hopefully they don't change much in there. Um, so putting on a brand new radio for Yesu can take me anywhere from a week to three weeks add it in and i have to have it present in my hand um Elecraft, basically they came out with the k4 there were a lot of changes because they dropped one set of commands that i you know depended on a lot and uh they dropped that in their new uh k4 so a lot of it had to be recreated um and that took about I would say two months with uh, putting in features like the Spectrum and things like that. So uh, it really, really depends.
1: Okay. So I got news that I could possibly rem- uh, remotely access an IC 7300. And then I found out about your software. And then I sent you an email and said, uh, you know, I'm blind. I'm using a screen reader. I don't use a mouse. And I, I went into probably too much detail because uh, it's hard to know what people are, have been exposed to or, or what they know about this already. Uh, what was your initial reaction? Because I think, I think accessibility was sort of a new thing for you.
4: To be honest, I had never thought about it before, okay? I just yeah. never thought about it. And uh, when you approached me, uh, you know uh, – made me step back and and think about this a bit and i you know said okay uh let's try out nvda and see you know what what this is like and immediately i found a lot of issues with it okay so um i said okay well what i'll try to do first is you know uh, my applications have tons of controls in them okay and sometimes between you know the various uh, versions for Ellacraft, uh, Yaesu and Icon, I'll copy and paste big blocks into the screen because the, all the screens are different as well. So um, all the tab orders were lost. Basically, it was a mess. All right. So the first thing I said, okay, I'm going to clean up the tab orders everywhere, so that when you tab through the software. You know, it, it's logical. You don't go from a band to uh, a filter back to the VFO, things like this. It made no sense. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And then we'll see how NVDA works out. And when I did that, I found about a quarter of the control, all the sliders NVDA didn't recognize at all. Couldn't do anything with them. And then many of uh a lot of different controls have multiple functions. Um, which NVDA did not get right as well, okay? Now, some of these things I could get around, okay? But there were some others that NVDA, for example, got completely wrong and made life very, very difficult. Uh, Like, for example, reading the VFO, okay? It it, it made a mess of it, uh, saying things were selected and unselected and so forth. And so I said, okay, this will never work. So in principle, the screen readers are supposed to follow uh, Microsoft's convention uh, for accessibility with.NET. .NET. I mean, they're supposed to. If I look at Narrator, for example, it does. Uh, NVDA does not. And there were two things in particular that uh, were important. Any given control in an application uh, written for Windows, at least uh, Windows Forms, which is what I use, has two properties with it. One's called the accessibility name. And the other one's called the accessibility role. And NVDA if it does not find a name, it looks at what's written on the screen and it'll say what it it is. Okay? If you do put in a name, then it does it correctly. Unfortunately, when it comes to the accessibility role, one of the options is called none. And what is supposed to happen is that if NVDA uh, encounters that, it should do nothing. It shouldn't try to assume it knows what it is and the same thing with the name if the name is blank it shouldn't say anything but that's you know that's a big problem because i would think that a lot of software keeps that name blank mine was completely blank from the beginning every single control because i didn't know any better and so the problem then becomes that nvda has to do it anyways and i think this this is a bit of a an issue for screen readers in general. Um, they have to provide something to the visually impaired, and um, in some cases, they're going to have to guess. But what I have done is I pointed this out on the uh, GitHub for uh, NVDA development, and I said, "Look, guys, you should, you know, follow the .NET conventions, or at least have an option." to follow them by application, okay? I brought that up and there's a number of people who responded saying, yeah, you're right and everything. They think that that could resolve a lot of things, but I've never heard back from the developers and and there's over 2,800 open issues with NVDA. So I wouldn't expect them to get this resolved. So basically, you know, I was left with either have half the controls not working at all, okay? Um, or, uh, you know, scrapping this and doing it myself turned out to be very, very easy. It's basically two lines of code for every control, okay? And a lot of them can be automated, so you don't even have to uh, have any code there. So that's what I ended up doing. I did this for initially for most of the things that uh, uh, someone... Would uh, without vision would use. I mean, there are certain features like uh, the spectrums and things like that. I have not done, uh, but it's it's a matter of, of time as well. I have three applications and maybe uh, eight thousand users, so I'm busy with a lot of things and support. Um, but the code is uh, fairly uh, mature now. It's not a lot of new coding or features to be added. So now I'm, I'm you know, working on concentrating on improving the visually access, visual accessibility of my software.
1: And I mean, I have to thank you for both that detailed explanation, because I think often when we contact developers, we don't really know what it's like from their side of, of things, their point of view, and what they have to deal with. Uh, so first of all, thank you for diving into this.
4: I hope I'm not uh, too technical.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure some people will, will find that interesting and the, we'll all learn something. Um, but thank you for diving in headfirst, for joining the ND, NVDA developer forum and uh, really you know, looking into this. And then when you ran into problems, you still figured out a better way to do it uh, for your applications, which was, was going self-voicing. So... Uh thank you for persevering you could have very easily just you know written me back a a short note saying nope sorry <laughs> uh which which does which does happen believe it or not uh sometimes when we contact people so uh it's it's great that you're so so keen to uh to implement a lot of this stuff uh loads of strokes and proper tab orders and everything uh I didn't realize a lot of these new rigs had so many options and features, and until st- I started playing with your software, I've been out of HF for a while. So, uh, even just the seventy-three hundred, there's there's an awful lot packed into that radio uh, that I'm now aware of. So, uh, let's see. Where should we where should we take it? Uh, I have the application open. I don't want to do a an in-depth demo but I think if I share my screen, we should be able to hear uh, the speech and the audio coming from the radio, which is about 30 miles away from my QTH. Uh, So I am connected remotely. Before we get into that, uh, what's the process? I guess I should sort of explain. Right now, there's there's a, a radio about 30 miles away that I'm connected to. And on their end, they're running your server application I'm running the suite and an audio driver that I get handles the the audio to and from the remote radio. Uh, I hope I have all of that right so far. What's the process like if someone has one of these radios right on their desk and they want to access it from the computer? Do they still need to run both applications or is there a way to uh to access it remotely, but you know obviously a very short distance just? You know connected to your pc
4: yeah um basically uh, you just plug a usb cable into your computer and then plug it into the radio okay so and then you just run win for Icom or win for Yesu. Um no need with the network clients or anything like that okay? okay so it's it's very simple well you know here becomes the more uh, the more difficult part of things because you know, it's, it's fine that my software has this interface and i tried to make it as easy as possible uh, to use, but there are aspects of, you know, hooking yourself up like this that are not quite so obvious. For example, you have to download a driver. From yep. Okay. You have to install the driver. Okay. So, you know, that's the very, very first step. And then you have to use the, the um, what do you call it? Uh, device manager. To find out the COM port that was assigned. Okay. So all of these are challenges. Talking
5: Tom VA2FSQ.
4: And, you know, there's not much I can really do to help there. Um, You know, one thing I will be doing is uh, just this general maintenance item for my software is putting actual links to the uh, drivers before I didn't. but for the ASU and ICOM radios, uh, the manufacturer of the drivers, a company called Silicon Labs has a really nasty habit of making changes in their new driver, like a new driver that no longer works. Okay. And so basically, you know, there are specific drivers that work all the time, but some people get automatic updates. Some people download the new drivers, and things don't work anymore. So I want to have it very clear. And, you know, as part of the documentation for the accessibility, I will put, I'll try to explain the easiest way to get the drivers and to install them and and so forth. That's something, you know, I plan to add to the documentation.
1: Yep. And I'm sure some of us in in the community can certainly uh, help with that too, and and tutor each other and, Uh, we're, we're helping each other out a lot with, with stuff like this. Um, so, uh, just as we were talking, uh, the radio that I was monitoring just went silent. So I'm going to close it and relaunch it and see if I can get it going. And if I can't get it going, at least we'll, we'll at least hear this, the speech as we tab around and, uh, some of the controls and so on. So I'm just going to run it again.
4: And there's one thing I've added, uh, at least to the Islecraft software. I haven't got around to Nikolan Yesu yet is, is a control for the speed of speech. I, I noticed that when I was, uh, with you on a Zoom in the past that I couldn't really understand anything the software was saying because it was going so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But
4: you know, now I understand why you would want that because you know it takes time, and you know once you once you follow, so there will be a speed control in the software.
1: Oh, great! Okay, that's that's really nice. Uh, okay, well, I'm not getting ra- I'm not getting audio from the radio, but I am I have the software open. And it says it's connected, and I am getting speech. So I'm going to share my screen.
4: Chris Smart has started screen
1: sharing. Okay, and I'm going to shut my speech up. So for NVDA, I just want NVDA plus Shift plus S to turn sleep mode on. So in this current window, which is the Win for iCOM window, it's now going to stay out of the way. Uh, but if I alt-tab to other windows, my speech comes back. And I mention that because your software will... Work with third-party applications, right? Uh, contest logging and yes. all those other things that people use. So, yes. Uh, okay, so I have Win for ICOM up here. Uh, I was listening to WWV. I'm not hearing it anymore, so I'm not sure what happened there. But as I tab around, VFOA slider. Uh, that's a slider for VFOA.
5: VFOB eleven thousand six hundred and seven point nine kilohertz. Fine Just tune give selected. People an
1: idea and Medium tune. I mean, I could do this for a long time because there are a lot of things you can course tune adjust and get to. And I'm only tabbing. There are there are keyboard shortcuts for tons of swap VFO tons of things. VFO a to B. Uh for instance uh is it control V for VFO?
5: VFO 10,000 yeah. kilohertz.
1: And it's on 10,000. Uh, and one of the things that was not tracking before when you tried doing this with NVDA was was this field because I can arrow to one of the digits, and then up and down arrow. I can arrow left and right between the digits, and then up and down arrow to change them if I wanted to change.
5: Digit one megahertz
1: f- uh, frequencies that way.
5: VFOA frequency eleven thousand kilohertz. So I just
1: put the the one megahertz digit up by one, so now we're on eleven eleven thousand. Uh, I haven't played with this much. Can I just type in the field too? No, no. If I have uh, a frequency in my no, okay.
5: Well, V, v VFOA frequency fifteen thousand kilohertz.
1: So let's uh, I have fifteen.
5: VFOA slider fifteen
1: megs. Um, what are some other what are some other hotkeys I can try? Uh, do you have hotkeys to, to go to each? We'll go to the band. Right? Okay, so Control-B for band.
5: 160 meters.
1: And I'm on 160, and if I tap.
5: 80 meters. Yep. 60 meters. 40 meters.
1: So if I want that one, I would just hit enter, maybe?
5: 40 meters selected.
1: Yep. And then you Control-V would take me back to the VFO. Uh Control
5: what else M, do you think
1: we should show off? Control M okay. Control. For mode? USB. There we go. And we're on USB. LSB,
5: LSB. selected. CW. CW. CWR. CWR.
1: Etc. Uh, what's what's the keystroke for reading the signal meter? I think people might uh, want
5: to
4: hear that. Con- uh, uh, trying to remember. Uh, control L, possibly.
1: Jim DT joined this channel. Uh, I'll try control S maybe. <coughs> nope. Oh, well. Um, but it is in there. It you is in there. It. You can read the. You can read the signal meter.
5: Now,
4: can you do a... Uh, okay, never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. What's that? Nope. <coughs> That's okay. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you to open up the, the, the manual for that, which is Alt-H. Help menu. The first Press one. A for
5: accessibility help.
4: Now you have a full, you have the uh, screen readers down below. If you go down, we can yep. get a list of the uh, of the items. Jesus. one. Okay.
1: I'm, I'm just gonna search for.
4: Find uh,
1: s- meter. S meter. Oh. <laughs> meter. That, just s. It must. It
4: must be in the meter. Okay. okay. Control
1: L. Control M. Sorry. L. L. Sorry. Okay, so I went back to the IC7300 window. No, it's not going to read. For some reason, I'm not getting audio back from the rig, but
5: okay.
1: uh, I am going to do a proper demo probably in March uh, where everything works, and uh, I'll probably go through setup and how to get,
4: how to Actually, get going. Actually, are you back on the screen of the radio? Yep. I should be. And if you do, for example, Control-M, you get back to USB?
5: USB. Okay, good. Uh, yep, try USB.
4: Try Control-Shift-L.
1: Nope. Okay, that's interesting. Anyway, the uh, only... there's something going on, but...
4: Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, is there anything else we should, we should maybe show off? Uh, all the sliders are labeled like, RF gain AF gain
2: uh, Jim KB0UZT joined gain this compression, channel.
1: All that stuff is is accessible. Yeah. Um I mean there's an automatic tuner in the 7300 but will it read uh, uh, will it
4: read SWR? Yes. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I I did not put that in there because it's a visual uh, meter. Oh, okay. But uh, it's something, you know, I haven't got any feedback whatsoever yet. on. Yeah, well, that's, apps. I'm sure, so, I'm sure people will. Uh, you know, there's going to be things that people would like to be able to do. And, you know, yep. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I know um, mine was the, I know one, one thing I was looking for was the CW uh, terminal.
4: Yeah, uh, that's next. For sending code. Yeah. Well, if you do an Alt-T. Uh, tools menu. Yep. No, not that one. Press way. I for uh, input
5: output menu. Right. Press S for settings menu. Sorry,
4: uh, right arrow. That. It's a window.
5: Window menu. Yep. Press okay. F for frequency memories. So, Press yep. M for CW memories. Only
4: two are done so far CW memories and yep. frequency memories. Uh, but there okay. is a CW terminal in here. But um, Yesu has no way. Uh, oh, no. Never mind. The Yesu radios require a win key okay it's a device uh which uh you can hook a key to it and it plugs into the push talk circuit on your radio okay right icom and elecraft both give you a way to have a terminal where you can type cw and it goes out as cw but yesu does not So okay have that feature yep well
1: there's bound to be some some differences um Another thing I wanted to ask before we open it up to whatever questions other people have, uh, you mentioned to me in one of our emails about remote control units because uh, someone asked me too. They talked about how they prefer, they mentioned preferring actual knobs and uh, buttons and so on, and I think you mentioned to me there are units available from the likes of Elcraft for. Uh, yeah, Adding controls.
4: Yes. Um, Elecraft has a, a device called a K-Pod. Okay. And yep. you use that. It comes with a nice large knob that is assigned to the VFO. And it's got a switch to allow you to either use the VFO A or VFO B. And it has eight buttons that can be assigned to um, macros. So they can do various functions for you. You know, you have one button just be, for example, uh USB, one button for uh, um, a, f- a particular filter, as you wish. Okay. Right. So they're um, all
1: assignable. and
4: Yeah. And um, so there's the K-Pod, and ICOM makes something called an RC-28, which um, is the same idea. Uh, but it has only two buttons, and those two buttons are best used for uh, managing the increment of tuning. So, you know, you have the knobs that should tune the VFO, but yep. you don't want it to always tune by one hertz. You might want it tuned by 100 hertz or a kilohertz. So, right. it's used for that. So, when you look at the two of them, I, f- I feel that the aircraft is much more flexible. Sure. You know, um, all the way.
1: Now, does it matter which controller you use with, with which uh, uh,
4: brand of radio, or can you? No, can uh, you, can you use the K Pod with? Uh, uh, if you use my software, the Icom control um, will be usable by uh, Yaesu and Icom radios. Um, the K uh, Pod for Mellograph can be used with all three. I didn't bother Green. making the ICOM one for the Elecraft because I'm pretty sure no one will buy an ICOM controller for an Elecraft radio or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's great because then you can you can just get the better controller. and
4: makes it easier, and it also supports yeah. any device that can map um, keyboard commands uh, to the device. So, you know, there's uh, the Shuttle Pro makes uh, – um, there's something called the Shuttle Pro, And it's got a jog wheel. And every time you turn it in one direction, it basically sends an F9 to the computer, turn it the other direction, an F10. And that's mapped in my software to the uh, DFO, for example. And you can also sign macros there as well. That's another option.
1: Yeah. This is going to sound very familiar to some of us who do music work, uh, who are familiar with MIDI uh, control services. It's kind of the same, you know, the same yeah, concept but the MIDI, where you, where you MIDI want actual faders. MIDI Sorry.
4: controllers uh, do not use uh, keyboard commands. Um, so I don't support MIDI, MIDI controllers.
1: Right. No, I just meant the concept is the same oh. of, of, you know, adding physical controls. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm out of questions. <clears throat> uh, can we, I'll pass it back to Julian and then when, maybe we can open it up and. I'm sure lots of you have things you want to ask Tom and.
2: All right. Well, thanks Chris and thank you, Tom, for, uh, for this presentation. And I also want to thank you along with, uh, what Chris had said for ta- for caring enough to want to make your product accessible to those of us who uh, can't do it visually. Um, Chris, like Chris pointed out, you know, there's a lot of people that Chris you write Smart to has them or contact them, and they just kind of cut you, you know, they just kind of write you off. It's like, well, you know, not enough of our users want it. It's a lot of work, and I really appreciate that you took the time and that you were tenacious enough and went and uh, played with NVDA and got involved at the forums. I mean, it's just, it's just wonderful. I think this is great. So, uh. Just wanted to to join Chris there and saying thank you to you. We very much appreciate your contributions to to our community. So, uh, anybody uh, here in the uh, meeting want to uh, make a comment or ask a question?
0: Got a couple.
2: Yeah, go ahead, Joel.
0: Uh, thanks, Tom, for again for coming and joining us tonight. Uh, my first question is about the remote access. When a, a ham club uh, decides to use a remote access software to server does it have a login and can the login be have like a timer set on it so if you got members can use it one hour per week or whatever is that something that can be written in the
4: software if it's not um, it depends okay only two of my products at this time have true remote capabilities and that is the um, Win4K 4Suite for the aircraft K4. I mean, that's built into the radio. Um, and then uh, Win for ICOM. And Win for ICOM was really, you know, designed for a one-person kind of uh, remote access, not for, you know, uh, the ability to have many people go in because it, it it's a basic uh, networking interface. And I have um, prototypes of making this much more, Um, much more useful in a club setting. Um, I haven't released it yet, uh, mainly because it's a fair bit more complex. And, you know, I sometimes, uh, you know, worry that if I put in something that's too complex, it's just going to, you know, end up being a support nightmare. And that's one of the reasons I haven't done it. And, you know, Thing is, is if people ever read the documentation, things would be a lot easier. But let's face it, they don't. But I can't make everything super simple, you know. Um, so uh, the functionality is there for those two products. For win for example, uh, you could use uh, TeamViewer. Um, that would work the same way. Um, but uh, there is nothing for managing multiple users uh, in the club setting, for example.
0: Okay, thanks for that. Uh, second thought, and and this question, I I wonder how many people have, has got the same question. Have you ever thought about doing this for Kenwood? And the reason being, the Kenwood has some pretty decent cat control software. And the radios with the VGS3 voice guide chip for the 590 and the 480SAT, and the, uh, 480 480HX, 480 is pretty good. But it doesn't, it doesn't speak the menus like what your software would do. So I'm just wondering if you've ever thought about doing it for Kenwood radios.
4: Okay. So, you know, I've been approached by people wanting me to do uh, Kenwood, but very few. Okay, so maybe uh, I could say uh, four in the eight years that I've been doing this. um, You know, I I wouldn't be averse to doing so, but the issue there is, as I've mentioned, I have to have the radio, okay? And I currently have 14 radios uh, packed up in my computer lab, and uh, so I'd have to add more, and you know, it's got to be cost-effective as well. I mean, some of these radios, an FTDX 101, which I bought last year, you know, is uh, almost six thousand dollars Canadian. You know, so by the time you add up all these radios, you have to have a financial return from them. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Um, so, you know, in the case in the case of Ellacraft for example, you know, one of the their new K4 radio, one of their items that, um, you know, they really pushed is the ability to have, uh, they were going to provide software that could be used remotely with their radios. And that would be like, just like having the radio there. Okay. And so when I heard that, I said to myself, okay, I'm not going to bother writing win for K4 because the minute Elocraft software comes out, nobody's going to buy mine and I'll have to buy the radio." and um you know i had a discussion with uh the head engineer there for Ellicraft and he uh, says let me see if i can get you a radio uh would you do it and so i agreed so they basically have given me a radio i am able to do it now if i could find someone at kenwood that would provide me the hardware that would be a completely different story but having to buy it um i'm not so sure
0: that's yeah, totally understandable. And, and there's talk about Kenwood getting out of amateur radio, but that's a big rumor. We don't have anything to substantiate that. All right. You mentioned price. I uh, haven't heard anything about price until now. What, what is the price for your different suites? If, uh, if you don't mind sharing, sorry, say that again, the price you mentioned price for your software. What
4: I uh, haven't heard anybody say anything about price. Uh, I I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm not visually impaired, but I am hearing impaired. <laughs> and so I didn't understand that word, pros? pros.
2: you saying price, oh, the price. cost.
4: Okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's $60 US.
0: Okay. That's all I've got, Julian. Thanks.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, anybody else have any questions, yeah, comments? KB60A. Eh? Go ahead, KB60A.
0: I also A. came also.
2: Okay, Margaret. Well, uh, yeah. No, I was just second.
0: wondering. Uh, he mentioned it working with NVDA. Did did it also work with Narrator or or, or not? I wasn't clear on that.
4: Narrator uh, followed the conventions for a .NET application. And in other words, if I put uh, nothing in the accessibility name for a given control, it wouldn't say anything, which is what it shouldn't do. Uh, I mean, which which is what it should do. And if I put the role as – but then it didn't matter because it wouldn't say anything no matter what. It wouldn't assume it was a particular control. So it worked correctly. NVDA, on the other hand, if I put in – no matter what I put in for the name, even leaving it blank, it would always assume it knew what the control was. And that's where it did not do a good job.
1: If I could – so if I could just add – so Tom's applications are self-voicing meaning they generate their own speech. So whatever screen reader you have you want to put it to sleep and let oh, okay. let Tom's program do the got it. Do the talking.
2: Yeah. Okay, thank you Chris.
1: Yeah.
2: All right, and Margaret?
0: Okay, uh, 1BC, with a question? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just want to understand so when you would like to enter a frequency, you'd go and select a band like uh Chris did, and you'd hit enter on the particular band. And then you'd go back to the edit box where it had the or the the area where it had the display. Yes. And then you'd arrow to the right to the left on the controls where you wanted to change the display and then arrow up and down. Is that, is that right?
4: Yes. How does it work? Currently. um, Currently the way the VFO implementation is, is that once you are focused on the VFO, uh, it will tell you the frequency you're on. Then you can use the right and left arrow keys to go to a particular digit. And then the up-down keys uh, to to change that digit. So um, that's always been part of the software. Uh, but now um, it tells you it's it via speech uh, what digit you're on. You're right. on 100 kilohertz. It'll tell you digit one kilohertz or digit 10 hertz. Right. Um, and then the up-down arrows. If you press them fast, you won't hear anything uh until you get to the last press and then it will read out um frequency to you Mm -hmm. Um, there is the possibility uh but you see to double click the frequency okay and that opens up a keypad where you can type in the number okay um i didn't do anything about that for visually uh, impaired uh I, i I I don't know if you guys want to double click something. Uh, So, you know, this is one of those things uh, I need feedback for. You know, I I need to know uh, what would be a good way. We would uh,
0: hit enter on something on the spot.
4: Maybe uh, something as simple as a control character, uh, a control sequence like control. I mean, all the letters are starting to get taken up, but control shift V, for example and a box will open up and allow you to type in a frequency. Maybe something as simple as that, you know? That would be Uh, awesome. So, you know, this is why it would be good to have some feedback and, you know, how to to move forward on these kind of things. Thank you. Yeah, -hmm.
2: and and I would definitely second that. Uh, It's always preferable uh, to be able to enter something via, a keypad especially something like a frequency instead of having to do the uh the arrowing so uh, i would definitely give that feedback as well and you know or uh before you were talking about price and you were talking about also your costs with all these radios in the event that somebody would want to help you offset costs maybe uh they don't need the software they don't use hf but maybe appreciates what you're doing. Uh, do you have a way of accepting donations? It's, well, uh, there's no donate button on uh, my website. Uh,
4: um, I was thinking of adding one, but mainly for um, uh, to offset maintenance costs because uh, I've never charged uh, a yearly fee. Uh, support and maintenance have always been free. And it's been like that for the last eight years. Um, but, you know, as time goes by, uh, the number of units you sell slowly drop off. What um, the cost of the websites and the security and the software development, all of that keep going up. So I was planning on putting a <laughs> donate button for that. Um, so there will be one eventually. Uh, just one okay. I don't know.
2: Yeah, cause I, th- I think it'd be a great idea. Like I said, that there may be people who are listening to this later, uh, in a podcast and really appreciate what you're doing, but may not necessarily have a, a need for that software themselves, but appreciate that you're, you know, that you go to the lengths you go to, to, uh, work with us and put out a product that, uh, you know, includes us in, in as your user base. If, uh, if I could ask it this way,
1: uh, do you need to own a radio to support it, or could you borrow one for a month or two? If someone said, hey, here's my, uh, no, I, I don't know, TS-890 or something. and I've got
4: 14 radios there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when I make some changes to the software that are more substantial than just, you know, very small bug or whatever, I like to te- test the software against each radio. See that I haven't introduced something that could be a a problem for a different radio. Um, Right. You know, Yesu, they have two series of radios, FTDX and the FT series. And they're substantially different. And they're a bit of a nightmare uh, to program because they're very different in certain ways. And, you know, you can't even use the same um, screen, for example, with them and so it's a bit of a, a bit of a problem so having a radio uh, is really useful um, because you know sometimes you have to step through the code to find uh, bugs and things like that you know yeah um, what you
2: can do about that
3: can for mlr russ for the question
2: yeah go ahead russ
3: um i read through uh, your website and it does support third-party software. I noticed that WSJTX is supported, which really caught my attention. For us blind users, we also use a program in conjunction with WSJTX. It's called QLog. Uh, QLog uses the same approach that you do, as they use the SAPI voices to um, uh, identify where you are, but Um, I'm wondering if you could add, in addition to WSJTX, if it would also support using that yet another program being QLOG to be able to operate FTA.
4: So QLOG does what exactly? Just uh, an add-on to WSJT?
3: Right. It makes WSJTX accessible for a a blind person. WSJTX, in a sense, is, or for all practical purposes, is not accessible. And QLog, although it started out as a logging program, the developer, Sam Birnbaum, added the ability to attach to WSJTX. And with that, the blind user is able to... Uh, operate FT8, where if they weren't, if they didn't have it, WSJTX would be next to impossible to use. I mean, it could be done, but it it would be so tedious, it wouldn't be worth it. So I'm just wondering if you can have yet another program running at the same time alongside WSJTX so that uh, we could uh, operate it FT8.
4: Um, there's nothing I could do with my software in any way to add accessibility to WSJT. Okay. So QLog would, for example, still be needed with WSJT. Um, when for all my products have, uh, this feature in them called virtual radios. One of the problems with a lot of ham radio software is that all these programs came out and they all needed the same COM port. And so people were trying to split the COM ports and running various utilities to do so. Um, And they'd work for a while, but then they'd fail. Okay. They were not reliable solutions. And so when I built uh, my products, uh, I decided from the beginning to have uh, the ability to have uh, in my software virtual radios so you can connect up to six other applications at the same time to my software and it's fully managed uh internally each under its own thread operating and so forth um and they don't they never clobber each other they never interfere so i mean if you did something like that then wsjt would go through when. My products, um, and the QLog log will still be running okay.
3: Uh, I was uh, while you were explaining that, I was thinking, I don't think Q log uses a COM port, I think right. it connects directly to WSJTX. Right. Now, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong there, but that's the impression that I got in using it over the years. So it looks like it's it looks like if WSJTX works with it. Uh, I, you know, it sounds like it will be uh, something that'll work with Q-Log. Um, let's see. The other uh, question was that, and this was just thrown out a, a wild idea on the, on the prospect of using uh, a knob of some sort for selecting frequencies Would a mouse wheel. Could that be used?
4: Oh yeah. You can use the mouse wheel as well. If you uh, move over uh with the keyboard onto a given digit, for example, um, of the VFO, you can use the mouse wheel to go up and down. Okay. Uh, and um, you can use the plus and the minus keys on your keyboard to adjust which frequency is being uh, managed with the mouse. So basically, once you're focused on the VFO, use your mouse wheel and the plus and the minus on the keyboard will... Use the mouse wheel for any given digit. Okay, so like one kilohertz or uh, hundreds of hertz and the mouse, mouse wheel work.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, that would be an improvement. Uh, I was thinking more in terms of if you could use the mouse wheel, not unlike you use the VFO knob where you're just continuously. Uh, well, I guess if you put it on the let's say the kilohertz digit once it got past 10 would it roll over to the
4: oh yeah yeah
3: so you could scroll that way
4: yeah yeah it tunes the okay or 10 hertz even exactly the same as on on the radio
3: yeah okay
4: minus will just you know select which digit on the radio you actually have to press the touch screen to select the digit you want to tune by okay so on a lot of these radios you know, you'll see the frequency displayed on the touch screen. And if you touch the, the 100 hertz digit and when you turn the knob on the radio, it increments by 100 hertz each time. OK, okay. And this is yeah. exactly the same.
3: Yeah, It I, uh, looks like it's uh, looks like you got it figured out there. Uh, having developed the cat program myself <laughs> for a, an ancient. Uh, Kenwood 440. I know what you've got put into this. And uh, to say $60 is a bargain. So with that, I'll turn it back to Julian.
2: Oh, thanks for that. And, and I agree. I mean, it really is a, a great value. Uh, anybody else have any questions, comments? Uh, Julian, am I on? Yeah, go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, Tom, I have <clears throat> all crack you here. And apart from the K3 and K4, which obviously your program covers. Um, not that I would use it for any of the other transceivers that I have, but uh, will it work, safe with the KX3, KX2,
4: things like that? Um, currently, I've only done it for the K4, okay? I still have to do it for the K3. I haven't added any accessibility to that. But the minute I do that, it'll work for both the KX3 and the KX2. Good. Thank you very much. I, I plan on it. I'm um, doing it, but it's not going to be until March. Uh, I'm actually going on a week's vacation uh, next week. and I haven't gone in one in three years, so it's time to get away a
6: bit.
2: <laughs> uh, I think it's definitely a uh, time for vacation. Wow. That's a long time.
6: <laughs> V3RVQ has a question.
2: Go ahead, V3RVQ.
6: Awesome. Hi, uh, name's Rylan. Uh, relatively new to this Zoom call. Um, I was wondering i'm an ic705 user i'm typically out in the field um and i'm wondering (coughs) if it's possible to run your server application and your client application on the same machine so i can use a wi-fi ap generated by the 705 instead of a usb connection because i find i get a lot of rfi on it
4: i think we just lost you
6: sorry i was done uh I was wondering uh, whether it was possible to uh, run your software through the Wi-Fi access point generated by the IC705 uh, instead of uh, the USB connection. Yes, it'll work, but um, I have to tell you, uh, it's not very reliable. Uh, Wi-Fi
4: connections, oh, really? Wi-Fi connections in general, um, take a, a fair bit of uh, knowledge to get them to operate properly, and. Um, a lot of times, um, they 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 just can't handle it, and you know you're going to be uh, presumably in this case um, having a oh I have to think wait a sec I'm thinking of what your situation is here.
6: Yeah, I'm usually out in the field, so the yeah. the IC705 generates its own AP. I'm not connecting to a mesh network or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's either that or I have to slap some kind of toroid, uh, like a, a ferrite toroid, onto a, a USB. Yeah. So I was just wondering if the Wi-Fi would work at all. Um, Thank you, and and I really appreciate your making this software. Um, the, for ICOM, okay... The, I come a strange company,
4: okay? because they've released all their new radios with Ethernet connections and Wi-Fi and so forth. However, they have not published the, the protocol uh, for the Ethernet connection, and it's encrypted. All right So um, in order to go ahead and use it, you have to reverse engineering engineer. you have to reverse engineer their encryption. Uh, and take a chance that ICOM lawyers don't come after you. Now, it's been done, and there's some software out there called um, Waterfall View, okay, which uh, basically has reverse engineered the whole thing, and so now they have a control program for ICOM radios. Um, but it's free software and uh, open source. Um, I can certainly go ahead and use that. But being a commercial company, uh, you have to be concerned about uh, breaking uh, their their legal agreement, okay by reverse engineering it. So I have not uh, done any direct access to the Ethernet port or the Wi-Fi port. So in that, because of that, you have to use my client server application, which requires you to have the USB connection to the 705. Okay. So, you yes, you have to use the USB connection. Now, all of the ICOM and Yaesu radios have um, USB ports that are extremely uh, susceptible to RFI. Okay. And typically what happens is when there's any kind of RFI, serial port just closes down. All right. So, (coughs) excuse me. so basically you need a ferrite on the USB cable and there's only one ferrite that does it. It's an ft 24031 the round rings, two inches in diameter, but you put that on there with a few turns of your USB and then you never have a problem again.
6: So Thank that's you, awesome. yeah. that's great, really appreciate it. Thank you, Tom.
3: Uh, I'd like to jump in on the RFI problem. Uh, you're right, Tom, about the ferrite rings. It takes about 11 turns of uh your usb usb cable through the, that ring and that will solve it it uh i've had that problem here and uh
4: uh that
3: fixed it back yeah. to you
4: yeah i have that in the manual and uh i emphasize it so much and well nobody reads the manual <laughs> so <laughs> they call me up uh the software keeps shutting down then you know it, it it can be so bad that you actually have to turn off your computer uh, because it can really mess up the hardware and um the USB port will just disappear unless you power it off and power it back on
2: ooh not good <laughs> all righty uh, anybody else have any comments questions All right, hearing none, uh, Tom, I'm going to definitely say thank you for uh, joining us here on uh, CQ Blindham's Tech Zoom. Uh, do you have any contact info you want to give in case anybody wants to get a hold of you or a website where they can learn about uh, your products?
4: Um, there's basically three separate websites one's uh, va2fsq.com, and that's EllaCrupt, and then there's Uh, yesu.va2fsq.com and icom.va2fsq.com. The three websites. They're significantly different in their, you know, capabilities and whatever, so they are separate.
2: All right, very good. And I assume there's a contact info there in case somebody wants to reach out to you via email or some other way? Yes,
4: under the support entry on the website.
2: Awesome. And Chris, if you're there, I'm going to kick it back to you there since uh, you uh, introduced Tom. Do you want to have any last words?
1: No, other than just to say thank you for, for doing all this great work. I'm sure we all we all appreciate it. And uh, I hope you do get some feedback from, from some of us uh, as we try it. And uh, I know I'll be using my club's 7300 a fair bit. Remotely, uh, I'm thrilled to be able to get back on HF that way, so, um, and uh, nice to see you on our groups.io, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you can handle all the traffic on there, but, because uh, you're very busy, but, uh, you know, feel feel free to post updates there if, if uh, you know, you have any accessibility news or new uh, new versions or anything. Okay, great. Sure. Thank you.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys. And, uh, thank everybody for, uh, coming here to CQ, um, Blind Hams tech zoom. I guess that'll conclude the, uh, formal portion of this meeting. And now, uh, we'll say 73 at all. Thanks for listening. And, uh, remember www.blindhams.com to learn more about our group, our the bridge and uh, all the wonderful resources that live there. This has been uh, Julian, N1CA, and 73 to all.
5: Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and visit www.blindhands.com.